0: Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Friday, September 4th. We begin with a look at how our views have changed about food as we move through the pandemic. We get the thoughts of Sylvain Charlebois of the Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University.
1: Next, it's been a busy week for Calgary families with school-aged children. We discuss the confusion surrounding the province's back-to-school plans, from masks to classroom sizes and social distancing concerns. We speak with a professor of education from the University of Calgary.
0: Then we had stateside for our weekly conversation on U.S. politics. Reggie Chikini, Global's Washington correspondent, brings us the latest with the election now 60 days away.
1: And finally, it's a Friday tradition on the morning news. We talk movies with Brett McGarry of the Couch Potatoes. This week, Brett has details on a big release from Disney streaming to a couch near you. COVID-19 sparked new eating habits and perspectives on food security that may linger for years to come. Many Canadians have become focused on healthier eating since the pandemic began. To discuss this further, we are joined by the Senior Director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University, Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. Good morning to you, Dr. Charlebois.
2: Good morning. What
1: would you say is the biggest change that we've seen as a society when it comes to our food habits uh, since the beginning of the uh, pandemic?
2: <laughs> I think we're getting re- reacquainted with uh, with the heart of our home, which is the kitchen, really. Mm-hmm. We're spending more time in the kitchen. Uh, we're more familiar with what actually is happening in our freezers, <laughs> fridges, uh, cupboards. Uh, we're we're more disciplined as grocery shoppers. Uh, we know exactly what we need, what we don't need. And, uh, and so we're much more disciplined, for sure. Uh, and we're not going out as much. I think a lot of us st- are still going out, including myself. I, well, I always enjoy... Going all with my friends and family to uh, to the restaurant, but there are, a few, there are a lot of people out there still anxious, and of course the economy is, uh, is is not doing all that great, so a lot of people have lost their jobs or their professional situations have changed, so they 're spending way more time. Uh, in their own kitchen to save a little bit of money.
0: So I wonder, too, if we'll see in the future that kids are better cooks now or are learning to cook, being at home with mom and dad and uh, you know, getting more involved in the kitchen. I think this generation could become actually far better at it than perhaps a couple of generations prior.
2: I think you just described the new COVID generation, really. Uh, I, I, and it's not just the young children. I think its uh, it, I would include probably most people, on the, under the 30, uh, most people under the age of 30 because uh, most people under the age of 30 would have had their careers uh, disrupted as a result of COVID. Uh, people uh, older are doing much better. They're, they're more well-off. Of course, they are. Uh, demographic groups that are, uh, are being impacted more by COVID, and I'm thinking about women in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of these people are absolutely influenced and, and impacted by, by COVID. And, uh, and of course, cooking, even gardening. I mean, uh, yeah. a lot of yeah. people are canning right now. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're kind of, we want to take control over the supply chain for ourselves. Uh, that's something that we've never seen before.
1: Well, you know, and I've seen more and more on social media popping up ads for butcher delivery and, you know, uh, bigger lots of meat, uh, not going to the grocery store as much. But what really fascinated me at the beginning of the pandemic and probably the mid uh, section of summer was the run on yeast. People were baking a yeah, lot more. Yeah.
2: No, absolutely. The, the one thing that uh, that is happening uh, that wasn't happening before COVID is that we're seeing the entire supply chain uh, opening up uh, as as a result of e-commerce. So a lot of a lot more people are actually online buying food. In fact, by the end of this year, we are actually are we're expecting food sales, online food sales, to triple. <laughs> wow. compared to last year. So 1.7% was the, uh, was the uh, amount of sales uh, online uh, when it comes to food last year. We are expecting that to triple, which is I- I- incredible. And it's happening all over the Western world. But if e-commerce is, is, is legitimately an option for us all, Well, think of farmers, think of processors. They can actually sell directly to us. True. Instead of us going to a grocery store and deal with, well an oligopoly, really. There are five retailers in this country selling 90% of the food that we eat.
0: Wow, that's that's a huge stat too. And speaking of them, I'm sure they're raking in the dough as well with the grocery pickup because there's a fee Mm -hmm. attached to that. And so many of us, well, through the pandemic, I would say a, a, a vast majority of us were going to pick up our groceries instead of going into the stores ourselves.
2: Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, this year is going to be a good year for for grocers, don't get me wrong, but uh, moving forward, looking at the future, it's not going to be that easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, They need to invest a lot, well, in e-commerce. Sobe's just invested $250 million in opening up a new facility in Vaughan. They're opening up another one in Montreal. So they're spending a lot of money. It's a high-volume, low-margin business. It remains as such, even with COVID. Uh, so, it's got to be tough for them for a while. And the competition is being redefined. I mean, PepsiCo, Saputo, Gordon Foods, Cisco, those are all companies that have pivoted. They've never sold to consumers, but now they are selling to consumers directly.
1: So, you know, you mentioned the e commerce, you mentioned the direct to consumers. Anything else do you think uh, that you think is going to stick uh, post pandemic that we've learned, that we've adopted, and that is working better for Canadians?
2: Prices. Uh, unfortunately, uh, what we're seeing right now is this huge decoupling between the food inflation rate and the general inflation rate. That's going to last a while. Uh, right now, the food inflation rate is at around 3%, but the inflation rate overall is basically at zero. And that's why everyone is noticing that food prices are actually um, higher. uh higher it's getting more expensive and so obviously this is going to impact everything uh, even grocers are being impacted because of e-commerce because of the price of food because of the cost to operate a, a store we actually believe that the cane market right now is over as a result of COVID. we may actually see uh uh stores closing or converting into discount stores more so, uh, especially out west. And so this, these, this phenomena of costs is actually going to impact everyone, both industry and consumers as well.
0: Do you think I know there's an article that you were quoted in in the Globe and Mail, you talk about meat and and meat packing plants, you know, a couple of outbreaks have happened here in Alberta, specifically, and meat can be an expensive item. Do you see a change in that moving forward, whether we actually spend our money on, on meat?
2: Uh, I, I think meat is still uh, uh, a sexy choice. Uh, I think Canadians are still committed to to eating uh, meat. Uh, the volume is, is, is certainly questionable. I think people, more people are interested in doing other things, eating other things. Um, seeing, uh, seeing more choices for consumers is always a great thing, even for the livestock industry. COVID really didn't help the image of the industry, to be honest, and they're going to have to work on that. But I was just with some uh, federal officials uh, this week about this. And and meat processing needs help. It needs support. Uh, And we clearly saw during COVID that uh, that that sector has been undermined for several decades.
1: Thank you so much for your thoughts this morning and uh, have a good weekend, Dr. Charlebois.
2: All right, take care. Bye-bye.
1: That is Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, Senior Director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University.
0: It's coming up on 617. It's time for Helicopter Traffic, brought to you by West District by Truman. You will find a home that fits your lifestyle. Well, there's been quite a bit of confusion as kids headed back to school this week, including a last minute announcement of where new federal funding would go. Could the process have been more clear and what have we learned? This morning we're talking to Workland Research Professor of Education at the University of Calgary, Marin Aukerman. Good morning, Maren. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for joining us for this chat. You know, now kids are back in the classroom. We're referring to an article in the conversation, and there was talk about a lack of transparency in Alberta's back-to-school plan. Do you still think that, or do you think it was more of a a lack of clarity on their part? I think there's been a lack of
3: transparency. Um, Generally speaking, uh, the public has greater trust when data can be openly accessed and can be subject to independent review. And what we've seen right now is uh, the data on which this, uh, the uh, province is basing the reopening is not actually really very visible. So we don't know why they, they think it's safe to reopen and uh, what they really believe.
1: So when we say lack of clarity, I'm wondering in, in transparency, is this a case of it being intentional or just that there's so many balls in the air, so many different variables that the information is coming fast and furiously so you think it was done intentional or just because of the scope you know, of the i
3: don't i don't, i think that uh i don't think that there's a malice or anything i don't think that it's sort of a uh, a hidden cabal who's trying to keep information away uh, i do wonder about what the quality of the information is that the province has and i think in the service of uh providing better information they should be telling us What are the epidemiological models that they're basing these decisions on? Mm -hmm. So are they expecting to have one case in schools? Are they expecting to have 100, 1,000? I mean, there should be epidemiological modeling that would show that sort of thing. Um, but we haven't got any information
0: about that. It's very true, you know. When we hear that same criticism about city council that things get done behind closed doors, and then you know the the public you, you you kind of foster some mistrust, right? And and it feels like, yeah, we didn't really hear who the the province was consulting and and some of that background information. You're right. Exactly,
3: exactly. So we don't know who. I mean, I'm assuming that they consulted people. But we don't really know who. We don't know, are those uh, epidemiologists, are they consulting with teachers on the ground? Uh, So far, we hear sort of vague comments like education partners, and we've certainly heard Dina Hinshaw's name mentioned a lot. But to me, that's not enough. I mean, we really need to to know that there's a robust group of people who represent different kinds of stakes because, you know, teachers have different stakes here. Parents have stakes. Parents want to know, is this safe? Um, And they need a little more information.
1: Well, you throw a term like education partners. It's kind of vague. Do we know who's under that umbrella?
3: Uh, I don't. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I believe they are, um, they are speaking with uh, some of the uh, districts, as far as I know. Um, but again, districts are actually pretty beholden to the province in terms of funding and things like that. So I'm not necessarily sure that they will get the straight up even if they're talking to district leadership at this point. So um, they really need to involve a variety of stakeholders and people who can think outside the box, people who can say, you know what, maybe we don't have the funding for um, uh, class sizes of 15, but maybe there's some creative ways we could think about this. Maybe we could utilize uh, uh, support staff in different ways. Uh, So there's a lot of different ways ways that you can actually approach these problems, but you need to have the right people in the room.
0: Maroon, do you think that part of the problem here might have become that this really became a very political issue and and sending our children back to school should not have been? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I do feel
3: like it has been politicized in, um, in ways that have really not helped the conversation. And I think one of the consequences of that, again, is the erosion of public trust. Because if you think the message you're getting... a political message and not a scientific message then people are not going to uh, take that message seriously and if they get mixed messages or if they get um the 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 impression that uh, people are using messages to score political points whether whatever party you're in uh, that's not going to be conducive to public uh, the the public trust and that has, has real implications for uh how people then behave in the future so if uh, people don't really think the government is giving them the the right information then um that can affect how they uh, behave sub- subsequently
1: Maren, you mentioned earlier the epidemiologists and in, in the studies and the research but you know the cynic out there would say okay we have to look at that but ultimately this gets down to the economy what, what do you say to those people
3: Hey, absolutely, the economy is the economy is a piece of it. Um, what we want to make sure of is when our economy, in order to keep the economy going, we have to have the schools open successfully. Uh, If the schools are not opening successfully, then the economy is going to tank. And we saw that in the United States pretty clearly that there were were premature reopenings in various different sectors of the economy. um, And that actually has uh, accelerated the spread of the virus and actually had uh, pre-negative impacts on the economy. So um, we really want to make sure that we get this right the first time. Um, So absolutely, the economy is important absolutely parents need to go back to work Uh, but no parent wants to be in a position of going back to work and not feeling like their
0: kids are safe did they get it right time will tell I guess thanks for joining the conversation Maren thank you so much appreciate your time that's Marin Aukerman Workland Research Prof of Education at the University of Calgary
1: and you know I, I, I don't take issue with it but when she says politicized I think that has a connotation that someone's looking to get bonus points, but the reality of the fact, the reality of it is, the economy is in the toilet right now, and we got to get things uh, the the most normal that we can. And I think part of that is having the kids busy during the day so parents can go back to work. Daycare slots are, are slender to begin with, and I'll tell you, for one child, I think the going rate is between eight hundred and fifteen hundred dollars a month, depending on where you are. Oof. So if you've been hit hard, you have to get back to work. Can you shell out those kind of bucks, particularly with the kitty being tra- uh, drained over the past six months? Yeah, like, true. It's
0: tough. Well tough. I think, you know, talking about is it a did it become a political issue? It seemed to be a little bit of a, a play between the UCP and the NDP is kind of where I think think it was a bit, it became see, political,
1: right? But, you know, regardless of what, uh, you but know. But we
0: did need to get our kids back.
1: Colors you are, yeah. You, 100%. And this one texture says, what percentage of kids have physically gone back to school? Don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, there's several boards in the province, and I think it varies between 16% and 30% chose those online options so yeah well over 70 to 80 percent of the kids are going mm-hmm. physically back to the classrooms absolutely there's a lot of them
0: for sure and uh, yeah was the plan right did it was it you know we, it was an uncharted territory so did they get it right you know we will find out eventually well, and,
1: and let's that's, hope so and that that's where, where i this nobody's been through this nope. before so can you fault government can you fault dr dina hinshaw who's doing her level hey best? we're
0: humans we're really good at finding fault in others
1: i that's a very good point it's a very good point. Your text is coming up in a second. Right now, helicopter traffic for West District by Truman, Calgary's newest and best master plan community.
4: Collision on northbound Deerfoot Trail at Anderson Road blocks your left lane. Seeing backup stretching towards Barlow Trail, it'll add at least five minutes to your commute. Southbound lanes, though, of Deerfoot Trail out of the northeast are still running delay and problem-free down towards Memorial. Uh, westbound Glenmore Trail, we're starting to see delays approaching the construction at 68th Street. You're going to be down to a single lane until this evening. And also watch out for an earlier collision at 90th Avenue and Bayview Drive through the southwest. That's just south of the South Glenmore Park. Shop at your new university district, save on foods between August 28th and September 10th, and you could be the lucky winner of free groceries. See in store for details. For the 770 CHQR Traffic Helicopter, I'm Freddie Howard.
5: Confined to a tight election race talk. I've been uh, following
1: uh, Joe Biden, and it seems like he he moved, I, I believe his words were moving it out of the basement, you know, to America, and he's being more active. He's traveling, he's meeting, you know, the people. But it seems to me that he's basing a campaign, on simply fact-checking Donald Trump. He, he uh, doesn't have to say too much. He just has to, you know, react to what Donald Trump has said. And, in fact, uh, Joe Biden, I think he said when he debates, he'd love to have a, a live fact-checker.
5: Yeah, look, that, well, that was that was kind of to try and uh, put in place Donald Trump's uh, inability to sometimes speak what's actually going on uh, and to kind of prove that the journalists that are out there doing these fact checks on the president simply aren't working against him. They're working for the betterment uh, of the country. Uh, but it is interesting to see uh, by, uh, Joe Biden now leave Delaware and kind of head out onto the campaign trail, uh, doing so yesterday in a more empathetic style by traveling to Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, to meet with uh, not only members of a community that's really been broken by the shooting, of jacob blake but also uh by with the family of jacob blake with jacob on the phone uh, vastly different than what we saw uh with president trump but it's interesting to look at the campaign styles between these two men right now because yes you do see joe biden making these early and initial attempts to get out onto the road but also doing so in a socially distant style wearing a mask where you have the president still gathering around with hundreds of people making fun of joe biden for wearing a mask and these are the conversations that really count like we said now 60 days to an election.
0: And that, too, Reggie, is really one of the things that separates these two men greatly is, you know, with more than 185,000 Americans now dead from the coronavirus. And one of them saying, you know, he and his people kind of talking about how it's in the past. And the other really is showing that it's still something that people need to worry about, especially Americans.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and 185,000 people dead uh, is 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 a grim number to think about. But it's even worse when you look at the latest models that have come out uh, from the University of Washington that show now by January the U.S. could have 410,000 deaths. That is more than double the number that we're seeing right now in a four-month time frame. Uh, and that is something that is making the Trump campaign's comments to try and look at coronavirus in the past, or by looking at President Trump's comments on jobs numbers that were released today. Uh, By kind of pumping up this 1.3 million jobs that were added, uh, it it puts them out of context because it doesn't take into account the fact that this country is still crippled under the coronavirus crisis. Uh, And Joe Biden is trying to say, look, if I am president, we're not going to simply just look to the past and pretend it didn't happen. We're going to look to the present, see what is dangerous right now and see how we're going to be able to fix things going forward. The president had
1: mentioned, I think it was just a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago, uh, that his goal was for a vaccine to be approved before November, before November 3rd. Where does that stand?
5: Well, I mean, look. The administration is trying to push the fact that there may be a vaccine that could be ready, you know, just in time for the November election, which is once again inserting politics into this pandemic. And health experts say that that simply could be a dangerous move to try and rush this vaccine and get it d- uh, distributed on a wide basis. If the, you know, the uh, the level three or the third stage testing hasn't been fully completed and verified, even the World Health Organization is out today saying, look, this vaccine is likely not going to come uh, on a broad scale until the beginning. Uh, of next year, if not to the middle port of next year. But the president is really looking for a win on the coronavirus right now. Even Dr. Anthony Fauci says, look, if we do have some kind of vaccine by the end of the year, this isn't going to be for everybody. It may be kind of handed out to people on the front lines and those that are elderly or or critically ill right now. But again, these are a lot of what-ifs, and this vaccine race is still racing forward uh, with nobody fully at that finish line yet.
0: And that's definitely one of the issues at the forefront. The other is, again, Black Lives Matters. And another man now has lost his life well a week or so ago at the hands of police and and more details coming about about the death of daniel prude not one starting to rear its ugly head in rochester new york
5: and it really is kind of pushing this national conversation over that there is a problem uh, when it comes to uh, the police system across this country you know the president was asked about this a couple of days ago when he was in Kenosha is there systemic racism in policing and he bypassed the answer and simply went to talk about violence that he sees in the streets when it comes to uh, protests that are happening uh, but now that we see that you know on you know every other week essentially there's a new city or a new state that is being thrown into the spotlight of this conversation about how uh, the treatment of people of color in this country, and notably black men, uh, and it really is becoming a problem for this administration when either the president or someone like his attorney general are turning a blind eye to this crisis, uh, and that's really what is sparking these protests around the country. That the president simply looks at as kind of anarchy and looting, missing the base and root cause as to why these people are on the street trying to make their voices heard.
1: Um, something come down yesterday. And this, I think, has to be addressed. I'm not sure of the validity, but I'm sure you'll know more about it. On the Atlantic.com, they're quoting that it, Donald Trump uh, at some point had uh, quoted, uh, was quoted as saying that Americans who died in war are losers and suckers. Uh, are there any other sources that can confirm this? And uh, where, where did these comments come from allegedly?
5: Well, so look, the Atlantic story uh, that came out last night, it really is a bombshell. And they talked to four uh, unnamed sources in this story who give kind of a, an overview as to what happened on a trip to Paris, uh, a trip to France with the president, uh, as well as comments made by the president, uh, you know, disparaging the lives lost from people who have served this country, disparaging the life uh, of his former chief of staff, uh, John Kelly. Uh, his son died uh, in Afghanistan uh, there. This this really is making tractions and it has struck a nerve inside the Trump campaign campaign, the White House and the president himself. He came back from Pennsylvania last night and laid into the media outside of his plane for about seven and a half minutes, uh, putting uh, the journalist down, putting the Atlantic story down, uh, saying in a tweet this morning about John McCain, which the story talks about the president's uh, comments surrounding John McCain's funeral, saying that he's never called him a loser, that he might not have gotten along with him and might not have liked him very much, but still went ahead with a funeral for him at the state level. Uh, It's worth pointing out the president did call John McCain a loser several times uh, in 2015. He made fun of him uh, for being a prisoner of war. Uh, And these are uh, the kind of comments that are really going to uh, be damaging for the president as he tries to stay on his own messaging and now has to try and clean up this messaging coming from the Atlantic, like we keep saying, 60 days out from an election.
0: We'll be checking in with you uh, ongoing as we head towards and through those last 60 days. Thanks for joining us this morning, Reggie. Thank you. That's Reggie Cicchini, Global's Washington Correspondent.
1: 717, it's helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Enjoy spectacular views of the city skyline and the Rocky Mountains.
4: Well, we have moved our way into the northeast part of the city. We actually spotted what looks to be a fire just east of the McCall Lake Golf Course. If you're seeing some. Up in the northeast, that is what it's from. But so far, we're seeing light volume on those major northeast routes like McNay Boulevard, 32nd Avenue. If you're making your way out towards Deerfoot, coming in from Chestermere westbound, 16th Avenue, that's a 10 minute drive from Stony Trail out towards Deerfoot. So, lots of space in between those vehicles. And Deerfoot Trail itself, we're seeing southbound lanes at about nine minutes from the Stony Trail exit ramp down towards Memorial Drive. Um, We've also got that collision through Bonest, Bonest Road, 49th Street, Northwest. Uh, has been moved into the parking lot. Want football, DAZN has more live football than anyone else. Exclusive Premier League, exclusive UEFA Champions League, all the NFL. DAZN, start your free trial today at DAZN.com. Up in the 770 QR Traffic Helicopter, I'm Freddie
5: Howard.
1: It's a Friday tradition on the morning news. Catching up with Brett McGarry of the Couch Potatoes. And Brett, a new week... And a new movie with, uh, you know, some uh, real name recognition. This one, I think, will do pretty good.
6: Yeah, it's going to be curious to see how it plays out because this is one of the most highly anticipated movies of the year, and it's not playing in theaters. It's going to be streaming on Disney+, Plus. actually, as of today. It's the live-action remake of Mulan must contribute one man to fight.
3: You're a war hero. You've already made many great sacrifices. My father cannot fight. So I will take his place.
6: So this is the latest live action remake from Disney. I got to confess, I've never seen the 1998 cartoon. Have you guys? I
0: have, yeah. I've got kids. I've got young kids. Um, Yeah, it is good. It's it's a brilliant story. I think it'll be really, it's appropriate to the time even now. I think it's going to be really neat to see how they've redone it.
6: Yeah, the Emperor of China, of course, in this story, declaring one man per family must serve in the Imperial Army to protect the country from an invading force. And Mulan takes the place of her ailing father, pretending to be a man. The trailer for this looks wild. I know a, a lot of movie companies or movie theaters are upset at Disney's decision to, just dump this onto their streaming platform. And here's the kicker on this, too it's going to cost $35. Uh. To rent this on top of whatever you're paying for your subscription, so if you got a family, that's a pretty good deal because if you went to the movies, it would cost you a lot more. But if you're if you live alone like I do, thirty five bucks ain't all that cheap. Though, if you want to wait until December fourth, then it will be available on the streaming platform with no ad- no additional cost.
0: Oh, okay, okay. But with that thirty five dollars, we were doing a little research, and you can watch it as many times as you want. It's not like it's your 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 borrowing of the movie runs out after. 48 hours or anything.
6: Yeah, so it, if you want to watch it 100 times, and give her, I Wish guess. Which your kids but, uh, will. However,
1: yeah. uh, as a grown man like you are, Brett, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that uh, inviting your friends over for a Mulan watch party probably isn't on your list. You know what? It looks really cool, though, and,
0: and the okay. action looks tremendous. Don't judge, so,
1: Andy. I'm not judging. Yeah. I'm just I do want
6: to see this movie. It's getting decent reviews. Uh Last check on Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 81%, so... One that is playing in theaters that opened in Canada last week and is opening in the U.S. this week is that Christopher Nolan movie, Tenet. Uh huh. I saw it last Friday.
0: Did you understand I have... it?
6: No, no. I actually, <laughs> I couldn't understand the 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 plot, and I couldn't understand what they were saying. The dialogue was so muffled. The sound mix was terrible and i i realized 30 minutes in i have no idea what's going on because a it's confusing and b i can't make out what they're saying i just gave up on it completely the it was incomprehensible uh, both from the plot perspective and the uh the sound mix. And it wasn't just me. My buddy said the same thing. My co-host of the Couch Potato said the same thing. And there are a lot of scenes where guys are wearing masks. So you can't make out what they're saying. I don't know why Christopher Nolan likes to do this. He did it in The Dark Knight Rises with Bane wearing that mask. And then in Dunkirk.
0: And I read that yeah. it was intentional. Intentionally done. The, the the way the sound is put together. That people are complaining to theaters about the volume of of it. And it's it's intentionally meant to be that way. Weird. Yeah,
6: I don't like it at all. So I I, I do want to give it another shot though at home when I can turn on the subtitles yeah, yeah. and follow it along because the the it was a visual like ambitious. Uh, It was very ambitious in terms of its visuals, and uh, the action was cool. I just had no idea what was going on. That sounds (laughs) like
0: too much work. Yeah. (laughs) yeah,
1: It's it's like studying and not enjoying yourself. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about something that I was very excited about, and apparently I'm not the only one. Cobra Kai doing very well on netflix
6: it's number one on netflix the karate kid follow-up series both seasons that were originally on youtube now available on netflix i plowed through this last week it is amazing i say this without hyperbole the first season is one of my favorite seasons of television Ever, Ooh, I can't believe how good this... Yeah, it, it, I think the season, first season had a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. The second season was in the mid-90s. I like the first season better than the second season, but the fact that they took Johnny Lawrence, who was just pure evil when I was a kid, and made him this sympathetic character, I think is, is such an impressive feat. This show is so good. I can't wait for the third season to come out, uh, but Netflix is waiting until next year, which makes me sad, but uh, yeah,
1: so if, did you finish it? Did you watch the nope. s- both seasons? I'm, I'm, I'm going to do like you do, and I think it, this is the weekend. I'm going to try my best to get through both of them. I saw one. I want to revisit that, hit number two, and be ready for number three coming out soon.
6: Yeah, it's good. You'll oh. have fun.
0: All right. Uh, lots of couch cushions up for Cobra Kai. <laughs> uh, Mulan, uh, a yeah, definite yes. And Tenet, stay away. Sounds sounds like the uh, the two out of three ain't bad, right?
6: And you might like tenants. I don't know. I just, I I was lost and said, Yeah,
0: I don't want to have to work that hard to watch a movie that I'm paying for. (laughs) No, thank you. Hey, thanks, Brett, for joining us. Have a great weekend.
6: All right, you too, guys.
0: That's Brett McGarry of The Couch Potatoes.
1: Time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Enjoy established amenities, recreation facilities, and the leading school districts. Oh,
4: we just over top of that. In the northwest, along Fourth Street and, uh, and and 23rd Avenue, but that is in the final clearing stages. Southbound, it's just off to the right side there, while a the tow truck clears up the final vehicle. Also, want to watch out for a full closure through the Mission area, Fifth Street between or just north of, Her- of Elbow Drive. There's emergency repair work going on there until about 6 p.m. Sunday, so you'll have to grab Fourth Street to get through there or to get by that. From our vantage point, we can see Deerfoot Trail is still moving fine through the southeast as you make your way northbound up towards us. 17th Avenue, southbound lanes of Deerfoot Trail, also still moving fine, making your way down to towards Memorial, and Memorial Drive, that westbound commute towards the 4th Avenue flyover, we're not seeing any major delays yet. Want football? DAZN has more live football than anyone else, exclusive Premier League, exclusive UEFA Champions League, all the NFL, DAZN, start your free trial today at DAZN.com. Up in the 770 CHQR Traffic Helicopter, I'm Freddie Howard.